Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we'll look at this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah chapter 43. He shows, <coughs> excuse me, in this section how God's rescue and exaltation of His people in the past give us hope for the same things in the future. So please listen. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is what the Lord says. Nothing matters more than that, right? Nothing is more important than God's words and His promises. At least nothing should be. No one's opinion is more important than His or to be valued more highly than His. But that's not always how things are. So often the opinion of family and friends, the opinion of <clears throat> the so-called experts or intellectuals in our world, the opinion of the masses or the majority in our world seems to be more compelling, more trustworthy. But the thing is, they often get it wrong. People's opinions don't always mesh with the truth. Think about the story of Joseph. His brothers viewed him as a spoiled brat, a dreamer with these visions of grandeur. They viewed him as somebody to be gotten rid of. And so they threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. But God had a different opinion of Joseph. God had plans for Joseph, and those plans were going to be carried out. You might remember the reaction of Joseph's brothers many years later when, as second in command of all Egypt, Joseph revealed himself to them. What did they think of his brother at that point? Or remember the friends who came to comfort Job during his great suffering. Their opinion of him didn't mesh with the truth. They accused him basically of concealing some great sin and failing to confess it. That's why all of this was happening to him. But God had a different opinion of Job. He had already made clear that Job was blameless, upright, someone who feared God. And so when God brought Job's ordeal to an end, we're told that he blessed Job even more greatly than he had at the beginning. 
What did Job's friends think of him then? The religious leaders in Jesus' day and so many others had an opinion of Jesus that didn't mesh with God's. And they made their feelings very clear. Nevertheless, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus himself said, from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. The world in general has a view of Christ's church that doesn't mesh with the truth. So often the world views the church as weak and worthless, splintered and oppressed. But the day is coming when the church, the people of God, will be brought to glory at His side. See, it's God's opinion that matters most. Nothing is more important than His words and promises. What He plans will be carried out. For God's people in this world, human rejection is going to be a fact of life. It always has been and always will be. But this rejection will be crushed by divine exaltation when all of God's promises to His people are fulfilled. This is what the Lord says. People of Israel were well acquainted with human rejection. After God provided for the rescue of Egypt and so many others through Joseph, Joseph and his family were welcomed by the Egyptians to live among them. They were given a prime place in the land of Egypt to call home. But after many years, that spirit of gratitude and welcome was replaced by one of hostility and rejection. The Egyptians began to resent the Israelites. And so they enslaved them. They worked them mercilessly. They tried to make sure that they could never revolt against them by carrying out this systematic murder of all of the male Israelite babies. The people of Egypt viewed the Israelites as worthless. And you can imagine what that did to the people's image of themselves and their image of their God. I mean, God had made promises to them. Promises that had been passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to the generations that followed. And yet, here they were, enslaved, watching their babies die, completely rejected by the people in whose land they were living and powerless to do anything about it. But God's opinion of them hadn't changed. His love for them hadn't changed. His plans for them and His promises to them hadn't changed. And so when the time was right, divine exaltation would crush this human rejection. God sent one plague after another, ten in all, to break the spirit of those who were oppressing His people. God raised up a leader, a strong leader, around which His people could rally in Moses. 
And suddenly the Egyptians could see just how much God cared about his people. Just what God would do to rescue his people. With that awesome pillar of cloud and fire, God led his people into the wilderness. And then with that same pillar, he shielded them along the shores of the Red Sea from the approaching Egyptian army. Then as God reminded his people through Isaiah, he made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, so that his people could escape to safety. But then with those same mighty waters, God dealt one last crushing blow to the Egyptians. As his people stood on the far shore of the Red Sea and watched as pieces of chariots and the bodies of horses and horsemen washed up on shore, they knew what God had done. Divine exaltation had crushed human rejection. But now Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God had plans to act on behalf of his people once again. And these plans would pave the way for an even greater deliverance and even greater exaltation than what his people had experienced on the shores of the Red Sea. As Isaiah wrote these words, it wasn't too long in the future that God's people would once again find themselves as captives in a foreign land. The powerful and prideful Babylonians would overrun the southern kingdom of Judah. They would destroy its cities, including the city of Jerusalem. They would plunder the temple of its holy things and destroy that place as well, and then carry so many of God's people off into captivity. These Babylonians thought themselves the masters of the world at that time. And they viewed God's people as of no account and their God as powerless to protect them. And again, you can imagine the impact that that had on the hearts and minds of God's people. But they knew, or at least they had been told, why it had all happened. It was because of their sin. Because they had preferred idols over the true God. They'd forgotten God in His promises. And so now they were suffering under this human rejection, the hands of the Babylonians. But God had not forgotten them. His love for them, despite their sins, would continue. And His plans for them and His plans through them would be carried out. And so once again, divine exaltation would come to the rescue. In one night, that mighty Babylonian empire was replaced by a new one. The empire of the Medes and the Persians. And God had predicted it. A new king from this new empire had already been selected and even named by God as the instrument that he would use to return his people to the promised land. King Cyrus issued a decree that whoever wanted to return to Israel could. He authorized the rebuilding of the temple and the city that housed it. He even provided resources from his own treasury. He returned all of the items from the temple that had been plundered so many years before. 
You can imagine what his royal advisors were thinking. Why would the king be doing this for this people? You wonder what other conquered peoples in the Persian Empire were thinking when they saw this one nation exalted in this way. God basically paved a path through the dry, desolate Arabian wilderness with the wealth and the power of the Persians so that his own people could return to their homeland. Divine exaltation crushed human rejection. See, it's God's opinion. His word, His promises, His plans that matter most. They will be carried out. In our Gospel reading today, we saw another very vivid example of that truth. We talked about it with the children. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Nowhere do we see human rejection crushed by divine exaltation more clearly than in Jesus. His own brothers thought he was out of his mind. The crowds that flocked around him to hear him teach and watch the miracles, they quickly turned away when they didn't seem to be getting what they wanted. The religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to be the builders of God's church. They accused Jesus of blasphemy and even being in league with Satan. Their rejection of him was so fierce and so fervent that they ignored the miracles that took place right before their eyes. They disregarded the law of God as they conducted themselves in this matter. They even secured bold-faced liars to help drive Jesus to the cross. Talk about rejection. But we know why it happened. It was part of God's plan for our salvation. The human rejection that Jesus faced would take him to the place where he would make payment for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. This stone that so many rejected, the stone that was even abandoned and forsaken by God himself, would be picked up again by God set in place as the cornerstone on which his eternal kingdom was built. Three days after the shouts to crucify him, three days after the beatings and the mockings, three days after Jesus was rejected and despised by men as he hung there on the cross and even abandoned and forsaken by his Father, that great exaltation would begin. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Early Easter morning, Jesus took up his life again, descended into hell to proclaim his victory over Satan. Then he showed himself alive to people here on earth, even to some who doubted him. Forty days later, He ascended into heaven, took his place at the right hand of God, and from there he rules over absolutely everything for the benefit of his church, for the benefit of his people, just as he said. From now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the mighty God. In Jesus, human rejection was crushed by divine exaltation. 
and by it our eternal salvation was secured. This is the new thing that God wanted his people in Isaiah's day to know was going to happen. This is the former thing from our perspective that God wants to make sure that we never forget. Because in this we find our eternal security. In this we find our only hope of salvation and divine exaltation. And so we must value Christ in the same way that God does. We must see Him as our only hope. See, despite all that God had done in pure grace for the people of Israel over the years, there were still so many of them that took this attitude that they could expect divine exaltation from God based on who they were or what they had done or on the things that they were doing. Paul addressed that attitude in our lesson from the Philippians today. He made it clear that he of all people had reason to boast in his heritage as a Jew, in his strict obedience to God's law. But he made it clear that all of that was worthless compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Still today, there are so many who seek to find their value and exaltation from God based in who they are and what they do. That temptation is there for us as well. To think about our own lives as God's people, our faithfulness to Him, our obedience to His Word. But again, only in Christ do we find our hope for exaltation. It was always for Jesus' sake alone that God came to rescue and exalt His people. Why did He deliver them from that slavery in Egypt? Because these were the people from whom Jesus would come. Why did He bring them from Babylon back to the Promised Land? Because that was the place where Jesus was to be born. And so in the same way, we have to see Jesus as our only hope for divine exaltation and nothing else at all. That's why Paul says, I consider everything rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. That's the attitude. That's the spirit we have to have as we make our way through life in this world. It means that we're not going to value the same things that the world values. It means that we're never going to look to ourselves or who we are, our pedigree, or the things that we do for God to try and find confidence before Him. But only and always to our humble Savior and everything that He did for us will value those things that connect us to Him. His Word and sacraments will follow the path that He lays out for us in life even though it's going to be drastically different from the path that the world would have us walk. We'll remain always willing to endure the hardship, the suffering, the ridicule, or whatever else may come from our connection with Jesus. If that stone faced so much rejection during His days here on earth, and we know that people who are built on Him, you and I, we're going to face that rejection as well. But never forget that God's opinion is the one that matters most. We know His promise. 
we know what he thinks about us thanks to Jesus. He calls you and I his chosen ones. The people that he formed for himself that we may proclaim his praise. And so we will, both now and forever. God will deliver us from human rejection with a divine exaltation that's far greater than what his people experienced on the shores of the Red Sea. One that's far greater than what they experienced on that joyful procession back to the promised land. The Lord Jesus, the one in whom our lives are now hidden, he will return in glory. And on that day, his church, the people of God who were purchased with his own blood, will be revealed, glorified, and brought to his side in the view of all. This stone that so many rejected will be clearly held up as the cornerstone and the capstone. And his people, those that he created to bring him praise, they will be joined at his side in glory forever. Divine exaltation will crush human rejection. This is what the Lord says. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.